This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn with me in your Bibles to our, our foundational scripture is found in John chapter 3. And I'll just start with John chapter 3, verse 3. And, and Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And we talked about this at length. That when, it, when it says to see the kingdom of God, it means that, that you won't be able to experience the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God may come near, but you, you, you're not experiencing it. It's, it. it's all around you. Grace is, is all around you, but it's not, it's not coming near unto you. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And for this particular passage of Scripture, we jump down to verse 14. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So we've been saying before that the reason for this teaching is that, that right now that there is, there is grace that is made available. Right now in this present time there is dispensation there is there is mercy that is made available there is power that is made available there's mercy that's made available to those that need forgiveness and there's power that's made available to those that are able to extend forgiveness right now is the perfect the perfect uh, uh, coming together of, of both the need and the ability and don't, so don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this moment pass you by. Listen, there may have been times before when you said, well, it seemed like that there was a need, but there was no ability. There was no grace made available. And sometimes you say, well, look, I felt like I knew. I felt like I was ready, but the door just was not open to me to be able to minister. But right now, now we are in a dispensation where both the need is there. And also, the people are available, are made available to extend forgiveness. Don't, don't let this moment pass you by. Listen, church, we need to make sure that we have a firm understanding of salvation. We need to understand what is this, this grace that God has given us so that we can take advantage of the moment that we have right now. You can't, you can't count that it'll be this way five years from now. You can't count that it'll be this way next year. God is saying now is the time. When you, you've spoken before, but now is the time when you speak. They, they're, ready to, they're ready to hear. You've extended a hand before, but now is the time when you extend your hand. Someone is ready to grab hold. Say, if I, I, I was just looking for a point of contact. I just needed something to reach out to, something to hold on to. That wasn't an institution, that wasn't focused on a, on a, on a man, that wasn't focused on a building, but that was focused on the living God. If he is lifted up, if he is lifted up, there is healing that is made available. 
So church, we need to be the assembly, the called out. We need to be those that, that, that are on public display and that are lifting up the name of Jesus, both in our words and in our deeds. We said that forgiveness is it, it, it's freely offered, but the gift must be accepted. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says that for by grace are you saved through faith, but not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so we see here that, that it, it, is, it is grace that is extended. Grace is the free gift that's extended without regard to man's effort or man's condition. That grace is the power of God to free man from sin. That, that grace, it, it, it keeps us and it brings us into the presence of God without blame and without the stain of sin. That grace is directed towards us. It's directed towards us in our salvation. That grace is working in us. That God's grace is working in us in our sanctification. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Grace is working through us. It's working through us to restore this generation. We talked about forgiveness. That, it's, that, that it means to, to extend grace. It's the gracious pardon of sins. We said that, that forgiveness, what it does is it, it, it makes room for error. It makes room for weakness. That, that forgiveness was, was, was the God, God's, God's first response to mankind. That, that when man disobeyed, God already had forgiveness ready for him. Because if he didn't, if God only had judgment, then when man disobeyed and he sinned, then that would have been the end of the story. But when man disobeyed, God already had a way back for mankind. He already had made room for error. He'd made room for weakness. Forgiveness, it makes up for imperfections. It's the sending away, it's the, it's the cancellation of debts. So the forgiveness, God, God makes forgiveness available because he knew that when man chose, that man would choose wrong. He, all, he, said, he said, I'm going to give man the ability to choose the angels didn't have that, that, that ability, but God said, the angels didn't have that right. But he said, I'm going to give man the ability to choose. But I know that when he chooses, he's going to choose wrong. So I'm going to give him the ability to choose again. God is a good God. God is a good God. Great is his mercy extended towards us. We thought that we were going to make the right decisions. We thought that we were going to make the right choice. But God already knew. And he already made provision. He already made room for our errors and our weaknesses. We talked before that, that as, as we extend forgiveness, that when we extend forgiveness, that, that we have to, 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 to release. We have to release our brothers from the debt. That as long as we're holding our brothers in debt, as long as we refuse to forgive, that we're holding them in place, but we're stuck in that same spot. 
that we're holding them in place, but listen, our, our fists are clenched and God can't give to us. That while we're holding them down, while we're holding them in place and holding them to their debts, that God can't use us to touch our nation, to touch our communities. That when we release our brother, now we can move forward and do what God has called us to do. Now, our brothers can move forward and do what God has called them to do. And that when we release, now we're able to receive from God. Now, now we're able to receive from God. Listen, we talked on Sunday about principles. The principle of forgiveness is right under unconditional love. It's right under unconditional love. It is the very nature and character of who God is. His love is inexhaustive. It means you can't wear it out. You can't test it and push it to the brink. You can't overdraft this account. It's unconditional. Listen, there's no, there's no debt that you could resent that is too much for God's love to cover. We said that too often we get surprised and we get shocked by sin when we see sin. But God already knew that sin existed. God already knew that sin was present. And He made provision for it. He was already strong to handle. He didn't come, he didn't come into the situation weak. He didn't come into the situation afraid and scared when he saw the sin. He didn't turn around and turn his back. He says, I see the sin, but guess what? I'm bigger than that sin. That sin is not greater than the I am. And so as we look at sin, we can't look at sin as what can I do about that? How can I handle that? We have to look at the sin and say, you know what? That sin is not greater than the I am. We lift up the name of Jesus and he'll draw all men. We said that any effort that we have to, to try and, and, and receive payment, to try and demand payment for, for someone's offenses, that they're always going to fall short. As long as someone is trying to, to answer to you for the wrong that they, for the offenses that they've done against God, it's always going to fall short. It's always going to be imperfect. There is no way that, that someone can answer to you and justify themselves in your eyes and meet God's standard. That Christ and Christ alone offers redemption. That Christ and Christ alone is the atonement. That He is the covering for our sins. We said that when, when we try to present ourselves in extending forgiveness, when we try to present this, this, this false sense of security by, by trying to, to, to coddle and trying to convince sinners that they are not wrong in their sin, that, that their sin is okay, that, 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 that it'll be better, that it'll, it'll get better over time that what we do is we introduce weaknesses. We introduce flaws in, in, in the integrity of the structure. 
that we introduce imperfections into God's house. And that as the, as the house comes under temptations, trials, and tests, that as it comes under stress, that where those weak points are, that that's where the structure begins to crumble. That's where the things that we wink at begin to become the gaping holes and the gaping sores in our midst. That's where the scandals come from. Where police investigations come from. Because we try to paper over and cover up sin. And said, it's okay because you have a gift. It's okay because you have a talent. It's okay because you give an offering. No, we cannot justify man in our own sight. Jesus Christ alone is the justifier. He, is the one, he, he alone is the one that is the atonement for man's sins. We said that if that that if man confesses that, that God he is faithful to forgive, that that if we confess that he is faithful to forgive, that he saw that he knew the very imaginings of man's heart, that he knew what his desires were. And he still made provision. He still made room for man to come back. Go to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel 33. Just starting with verse 11. It says, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? And then he commands the, the prophet to speak to the people. We use the illustration. We said that sometimes that, that we get disgusted. We get been out of shape because those that we believe that should have known better, those that were raised in the church, those that, 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 that we took to Sunday school, those that, that we grew up with and they were in the same uh, baptism class that we were in, that they, that they were all in the same Bible study groups that we were, we get so surprised when we see that, that, that sin manifests in their lives. We become, we become outraged and we become disgusted. We say, well, how, how can you do this against the church? How can you do this thing against the ministry? How can you do this thing against, against me? Because I thought I knew who you were, but now you're, you're, you have a false face. Now, now there's weakness and there's error inside of you. And we use the illustration of, of Saul. A man that, that, that should have known. A man that was consecrated on the eighth day. That he was of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He knew his ancestry. He, 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 he could trace his, his line, his, his line all the way back to, to 
the, the, the 12 sons in a specific tribe of Benjamin. So he, he knew what God's promises were. That he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And that he had excelled in applying himself. That he was, as touching the law, a Pharisee. That he wasn't lazy. That he was, he was zealous. But that Paul, in, in, in all of that, that he was completely wrong. He was completely in error. You know, sometimes we get confused about extending forgiveness because we, we think about this model of, well, uh, those, that, those that don't continue in the ministry or those that, that, uh, that, that don't, um, you know, stay with what God has called them to, that, that they're just going to end up as, as bums on the street. Right. That they're not going to have, you know, any success in life. There's, their, their whole life will be a failure. But guess what? There are people in this in this church that 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 are that are doctors. There are people in this church that are that are engineers. There are people there, there are going to be people in this church that that are that are lawyers. And, it, and none of that means anything. You know what? There, there are millionaires in this church. There are millionaires that used to go to this church and don't go anymore. And so just because you look at their natural condition, just because they're not on drugs and strung out in the streets and they're not, they're not living with somebody and they don't have children out of wedlock, those things that you would call gross sins, they could still be completely wrong. Because they are not where God has called them to be. They are not in a position to be useful to God. What does it profit? What does it profit you to have patents and grants and research papers and books and laws after your name and you lose your soul? And you lose sight of the meaning of why God gave you those gifts in the first place. Why God's grace was directed towards you in the first place. And so we see Saul. He was a, he was a man that outwardly, you would say that he was successful, that he was mature, that he was where anybody would envy his position. But he was completely outside. He was completely wrong as related to the kingdom of God. Listen, this church is not rooting against any of your children. We're not wishing any harm comes to them. We're not, we're not rooting against you or anybody in your family. We're hoping that God's grace is with you. We're hoping that his mercy is extended towards you. Because it is the mercy of God that makes room for man to repent. It is the mercy of God that allows you to continue and to continue and to continue even though you know and still you do. It's the mercy of God that brings you to that table 
where your uncle or your auntie or your mother or your father is able to finally speak a word into your life. It says, you know what? I'm glad for all that you've done. Is God pleased with you? Is God pleased with you? And so we get, we get, we get bent out of shape and we get, we get upset because those that, that, that would seem to, that they should have known. And here they are found outside. And we looked at, at, at the, the illustration with, with Saul where, where Saul was on his way. He had received letters and had civil authority to go and prosecute the church. And as he, was, as he was on his way, he was knocked down. As he was on his way, he was knocked down. In Acts chapter 9, verse 5, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? As Saul is on his way to persecute the church, he's knocked down, and he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? This word, Lord, we said before, he's not talking about Abba Father. He's not talking about Adonai. He's not talking about Yahweh, the covenant God. He's saying, Who art thou that's able to knock me down? That's able to get me off of my high horse. That's able to humble me. When I thought that I stood, now I see that I've fallen. He says, who art thou, Lord? And we love it that the Lord, he says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Literally, that means I am salvation. Who are you that knocked me down? And Jesus answers, he says, I, I, I am your salvation. You thought that you were set back. You thought that you were crippled and that you were knocked off the track. But guess what? You were headed in the wrong direction. And you've just been sat down so you can be saved. Jehovah is salvation so that the word can be spoken to you. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. That, that's, that's mercy at work. That's mercy at work. And so we see that he gives, he gives Saul instructions on how he can receive his healing. But while he's giving Saul instructions, God is a God of order. He's also talking to his disciple in Damascus, a man that's named Ananias. In verse 10 it says, And to him said the Lord in the vision, Ananias... And when God spoke, he says, Behold, I am here, Lord. And then I says, I, I'm in position. I am ready. Whatever you call me to do, I'm ready to do. And many of you, you said, Lord, we are here. We are ready. We are in position to restore this generation. And this is what the Lord says. He said, and the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, of the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, 
He prayeth. And have seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. God says, go out into the streets. Listen, we're not in this building, but guess what? We need to be out in the streets anyway. God is saying, go out. Be the called out ones. Be on public display. Time is out for, for cliques and clubs and, and, and hostings inside of closed doors. Now it's time for you to extend yourselves and make yourself known. Many of you stop taking your, 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 your relatives' phone calls because of the sin that they're in. You stop talking to a brother or a sister because every time you talk to them, it just seemed like nonsense was coming out of their mouth. God is saying, get out! Now it's time to go out. Back into the streets. Because there's somebody out there that's praying. All that you knew was the foolishness that was going on in their lives. All that you knew was the bondage that they were in. But God is saying, guess what? Somebody out there is praying. Somebody out there in the streets, they're hurting. They're ready for change. But you got to get up. You got to get out. You're going to need to extend yourself. He says, Arise and go into the street which is called straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Jump down to verse thing, and this is where it gets real, because this is where we are. And Ananias answered the Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests, to bind all that call on thy name. He says, God, I know who this guy is. So first he says, Lord, behold, here I am. I'm ready and willing, whatever you want me to do. And God tells him what to do. He says, guess what? You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to do things differently. You're going to have to do things a different way than you're used to doing them. You're going to have to learn some new skills that you didn't learn before. You got to get out from where you were. And when you get out and you get into the streets, the people that you're going to run into are going to be the very ones that you've heard about that mock the church, that talked about you, that lied on you, that deceived and cheated. You're going to be talking to, to people that, that divorced their wives and left their children. You're going to be talking to mothers that gave their children up for adoption. You're going to be talking to people that, 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 that can't keep a job. That don't seem like they have it going on, but God is saying, get out there. Because they're praying. They're praying that they may receive sight. Church, we're going, to have to, we're going to have to be who God has called us to be. And stop being so sadiddy. 
signifying. Pretending, pretending to be who we're not. You know who you were when God called you. You knew what you were when God called you. If it wasn't for his mercy, you would not have been recovered. And here you have the audacity to sit around and say, my, I can't get my hands dirty. I can't be seen in these places. I can't be seen with these people. Oh, I don't like the smell. Oh, I don't like the looks of it. Oh, no, no. You know what? God is saying, get up. Are you mine or not? Are you my servant or not my servant? Now it's the time for you to choose. If the watchman sounds the trumpet and the sinner is recovered, the watchman has done his duty. But if the watchman does not sound the trumpet and the sinner dies in his sin, the blame is on the watchman. So Ananias, here he is, he's, he's, he's afraid. He's afraid. But God gives him instructions. And what I love it is in verse 17, after God speaks, after God speaks, it says, and Ananias went his way. Ananias obeyed. Ananias obeyed. Listen, were all his fears allayed? No, he was still afraid. Did he, did he know that, that Saul would not turn right around and call on him? He didn't know. All he knew is what God told him. He trusted God. Ananias trusted God. He didn't trust Saul's reputation. He didn't trust what the people were saying about Saul and the great need that Saul had. Listen, it, it, it's not about the hunger. It's not about the sickness. It's not about the needs that people have. It's not about the deficits that they have. It's about your trust in the living God. You know what? Your sympathy can only carry you so far. Your, your empathy will only carry you so far. After you've given them money and they wasted that money. After you paid a bill and they went out and you find that they squandered what little they had. Emotions will only take you so far. It's got to be your trust. Your trust in the living God. That has to be the sole motive for your actions. Do you trust in God? If you trust in God, then you need to extend forgiveness. If you trust in God, you need to extend forgiveness. I love it in verse 17 again. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him and said, Brother, Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, have sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He says, he comes up to him, he doesn't come halfway. He says, Saul, you're my brother. 
Saul, you're my brother. I'm not coming to you as 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 one that has. I'm not I'm not calling you the needy. You're not a charity case. You're not you're not you're not a, a, a special project. He says, Saul, my brother. You are, you are a fellow heir with me. You have the same privileges that I have. You have the same promises that I have. What God has made available to me, He's made available to you as well. What God has promised to me as an expected end, He's promised the same thing to you. You're not you're not my project. You're not you're not my 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 my, my charity case. No, you're my you're my brother. You're my brother. We we come from the same from the same line. We we worship the same God. We are the lesser. He is the greater. He says, Saul, you're my brother. You know, when we talk about this forgiveness, about extending forgiveness and putting it into practical use, you know, some of the things that hold us back are, are, are misconceptions, the falsehoods that we've clung on to. You know, it's been said that, that forgiveness means that, that, that your sins, your falsehoods, they're excused. And listen, I just want to tell you about the truth. The truth is that... that Forgiveness does not excuse your sin. Forgiveness does not excuse your sin. There is a judgment that needs to be satisfied. And the wages of sin is death. Forgiveness does not excuse your sin. Listen, my forgiveness does not excuse your sin. There there are repercussions for actions. I can love on you. I can love you. But I I can't cover those debts. I can't cover those debts. I'm not able to forgive sin. And you're not able to forgive your own sins. Forgiveness does not excuse your sin. Go to, back to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, starting with verse 5, this is Jesus. Jesus answered and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is flesh, that which is born of flesh, is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says, marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So you have to, that, that, that which is flesh, that which is flesh is not able to cleanse flesh. 
You have to be born again, born of the Spirit. The guilt and penalty for sin can only be removed by Jesus Christ. The guilt and penalty for sin can only be removed by Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to bring, bring this home. It's because too often we get into a situation where we are supposed to be extending forgiveness. Where we're supposed to be showing graciousness. And we find ourselves covering up over. Someone said, making excuses for, that's okay, baby, it'll be okay. It'll be okay, it'll be okay. We, we, we forget that in every situation, when Jesus was, was speaking with a sinner, that no matter what circumstances that sinner was going through, Jesus always pointed them to the kingdom first. He always pointed them to the kingdom first. Too often we get, we, get, we get so caught up with what's happening. And you know what? Some things are tragic. And some things are urgent and pressing. But listen, the healing is not in healing the circumstance. The healing is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. The answer, the salvation, is in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Jesus alone, he is free of sin. He's able to make petition before a holy throne. Go to 1 John chapter 2. Listen, we're just trying to get practical with you. When you start talking to people, when you start going out into the streets, you find out that there's, there, there's some serious situations going on. There are some grievous situations going on that will hurt you to the core. There are some circumstances that are going on that you are like, I just cannot believe that this is happening. But you have to know that what you have, that what you have is not a social program. That what you have is not, is not some kind of federal grant, but you have the kingdom of God. You have God's grace. You have the words of life. First John chapter two. Just starting with verse one, it says, My little children, these these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus Christ is the righteous one. And he is the propitiation of for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the means for forgiveness. Jesus is the way. He is the only way. He is the only acceptable avenue for forgiveness. We have to always point to Jesus Christ. In every situation, in every circumstance, we have to continuously point to Jesus Christ. Because He alone is able to cleanse from sins. 
He alone is able to wash from sins. You know, it's been said, one, one, of, the, one, of, one of the misconceptions that has been said is that, is, that, is that when you forgive, that you're going to feel better. That you need to, you need to forgive because you, you're going to feel better when you forgive. Listen, I want to tell you the truth. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your feelings. Unconditional love has nothing to do with your feelings or your emotions. No. And, and, and I, know who I, I know I'm speaking to a, a people you know, that, 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 have, that have been through and that are going through. You know, we've got current situations and circumstances. I said once before in my messages that black people have been catching it for the last 400 years. And so I know that people are like, well, what are you talking about? We need to forgive, right? Then we'll feel better. And I want to let you know, I want to let you know, my brothers and my sisters, of all races and nationalities, forgiveness has nothing to do, has nothing to do with your, with your emotions. It has nothing to do with your feelings. Listen, if it did, then Jesus would be the happiest person that we know. And every day would have been sunshine and roses, but it was not. But it was not. Emotional pain and physical pain are real. I know we have people in this country that, that, that want to pretend like, that want to pretend like past transgressions don't exist and that they have no impact on our society today. And that's why we pray. That's why we pray. Listen, emotional pain, physical pain, it's real. It's real. No, no one's saying that it's not real. When we look at Jesus, we see that he also, he experienced physical pain. It's, it's, it's by his stripes that we're healed. We know that he experienced emotional pain. Many of us were saying that, yes, Lord, we want to be your representatives. We want to be your ambassadors. He's saying, there's, there's a cup for you to drink from. In that cup, there, there, there's pain in that cup. There's pain in that cup. One example is when Jesus was traveling, he received word that, that his friend, Lazarus, was sick unto death. And then he, he told his disciples, well, well Lazarus, he's, he's asleep. And he said, well, it's good that he's sleeping. And he says, no, I just want you to know that he's, he's, actually, he's actually gone. Lazarus has died. There's, there's real pain in death. There's, there's real pain in losing those that are close to us. You know, discomfort, there, there are many things that we say about discomfort, but discomfort 
is a reminder to us that we choose to obey. This comfort in doing the will of God and showing love and extending forgiveness and being who God has called us to be, this comfort is a reminder that we choose, we choose to obey. Go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, just looking here at um, verse 32. When, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35 it says, Jesus wept. Here he is, forgiveness in the flesh. Here he is, the resurrection in the flesh. But we see that he's, he's touched. He's touched by the sorrow and the suffering people that are hurting. Listen, your, your forgiveness has, has nothing to do with your emotions. It has nothing to do with your feelings. Jesus knew what His purpose was. Jesus knew why He was there at that hour that He would say, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead would be raised. Forgiveness, it doesn't replace. Forgiveness is not some, some, some magical salve or some potion where there, there, there's no discernment, there's, there's no discretion, where you just fly all off into harm's way. Listen, God, God when He institutes a principle... He doesn't leave it with contradictions. Too many of you are saying, well, the, the reason why, why, why I let him back into the house, even though he knocked me unconscious last time, was because I forgave. Listen, that's not, that's not forgiveness. That's not, that's not, that is not the principle that we're talking about. You say, the reason why, why I let them back into the house to, to steal everything. To feed their habit. It's because I forgave. No. No, forgiveness does not replace discernment. It doesn't replace discretion. Listen, even Jesus in Luke chapter 4, when he was teaching to the people, doing the will of God, and the people became angry with him, 
In Luke chapter 4, verse 28, it says, And and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were, were filled with wrath, and rose up, and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he passed through the midst of them and went his way. Jesus was like, look, I'm not going to allow you. I'm not going to allow you to abuse me. That is not the will of God. I'm not going to allow you to take my life. That is not the will of God. Listen, church, we have to be we have to be mature. As we go out and we extend forgiveness, there's there's discernment, there's discretion. Even Jesus, when he sent out the disciples, he sent them out two by two. And he gave them specific instructions about not carrying around a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of material possessions. About not, not going around from house to house, but, but ways that they could be safe, but also be a witness and a testimony. You're not extending forgiveness in that man's hotel room at 2 o'clock in the morning. No. You need to be at home. You're not extending forgiveness in that alley where they're doing whatever they're doing in there. No. Forgiveness requires discernment and discretion. It is God's will does not contradict itself. One thing that we must always be willing to do is we have to be willing to live peaceably with everyone. Now, does that mean that we'll always will live peaceably? No. There's some people that are just born for wrath. There's some people that just want to disagree. And they are not the ones that are praying. They are not the ones that are calling out for healing. There's some that are still thrashing around in their pain. And their time will come. And they will hear. Why do we say that? Because we continue to pray. But we have to be willing to live peaceably with everyone. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 and verse, starting with verse 17, it says, Recompense no man evil for evil, Provides all things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. 
For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome, do not be over, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. He says, don't be overcome with evil, but instead, overcome evil with good. You have to be willing and ready to extend forgiveness. Now listen, when we're talking about extending forgiveness, there are going to be many people that you come across. And some, some will be looking for forgiveness. Some will be looking for what you have to offer. Some people are just going to be looking for natural things. Some people are going to just be looking for an emotional dumping ground. Is that, is that the right way to say it? Some people are going to be just, just going to be looking to take up your time and your energy and your resources. And they're not, they're not ready. They're not, they're not willing. They're not willing to change. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's talking about giving, but it applies in giving in every aspect of your life. It says, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Listen, I don't, I don't have time to waste people that want to play games. I don't have funds to throw away people that, that, that are not ready to make a change. I don't have resources to expend in the throw before those that, 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 are, not, that are not ready for it. Not. So, so listen, as you extend forgiveness, know this. You're not a doctor and you don't play one on TV. Right? Some people have medical needs. It is according to what a man has and not what he doesn't have. As you extend forgiveness, know this. You're not a housing program. There are things that people, that people need, you just don't have. The beggars, they, they, they looked on, on Peter as he was going into the temple, and, and, and they, they, they wanted some alms of him. And he told them, silver, silver and gold have I not. But such that I have, I give unto thee. So what, what we have to offer is the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you can't accept anything else, just know that, that God, God is. God is. He exists. He's real. If you can accept that, just know that God is a God of purpose. He had an intention in mind for his creation. 
if you can accept that, that God is a God, that He exists, that He has a, a purpose and intention in mind for His creation, just notice that we mankind, that we fell well short. We fell well short of God's desire. And that there's nothing that we can do, that there's nothing that we can do to establish our own righteousness. And as I said before, we have to lift up the name of Jesus. Now, if you believe that, you should know that Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life and died a sacrificial death for your redemption, for your restoration. If you can accept that, now, now I've got something that you, that, that you can use. I've given you what I have. I've given you what I have. Forgiveness is for those that, that, are, that are becoming mature, that don't allow themselves to be drawn into emotional quagmires, that don't allow themselves to be drawn into foolish arguments. The Proverbs talks about that, that if, you, if you rebuke a fool, that they'll make a fool of you. But if you rebuke a wise man, a man that's becoming wise, then you recover him. Go to 2 Timothy. We'll finish up with this. This, this, this will help you around the dinner table. Because for, for all of the people that were pushing against and jostling Jesus in the crowd, for all the people that had their demands and their, their petty requests and were seeking for their material gain, there was, a, there was, there was that one woman that, that, that had a need. And was ready to change. And she touched Jesus. She touched Jesus. What am I saying? I'm saying that as you extend forgiveness for all of the people that you encountered that may not be ready, that God is still extending mercy towards, there, there will be some. And listen, that's why it's so important that you understand where we are. That's why it's so important that you understand the season that we're in. The harvest is white and ready. The fields are white and ready for harvest. There are those that have been praying, that have been asking, that have been knocked down and saying, this is so much bigger than I am. And they're looking for you to come and say, Jehovah is salvation. Jesus, Jesus is your healing. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 22, look, this, is, this, 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 is, this teaching is it, it's for those that are becoming mature. It says, flee also youthful, youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the name of the Lord, that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. 
knowing that they do gender strife. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. I had a situation and I know we're out of time, but just want to get this out to you guys that um, my wife was telling me about someone that had been calling her and calling her and calling her. And it just seemed like she wasn't able to, to get through to him, just wasn't able to get through to him. And it was, it, was, it was worrying on her. That's why God sent them out two by two, two by two. You should, you should never bear these burdens alone. And so my, my counsel was, don't worry about their circumstance. Don't worry about their situations. Patiently, patiently expose the gospel to them. Patiently expose the gospel. It says in verse 25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If peradventure, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. I'm not, we're not trying to lecture. We're not trying to, we're not trying to scold or beat down. But we're trying to when it says that, 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 that we are able to, we are prepared to teach. And I love that right next to the word teach, it has patient. Meaning that you're going to be tried, you're going to be tested. But you're going to have to be able to teach with patience. Because in you being obedient, in you being obedient, God will give them repentance to acknowledge the truth. God bless you, family. Thank you for joining tonight. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.